Exodus 14. We're going back to Exodus. Spent some time in there recently. We're going to go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. We'll go to the end of the chapter. We'll read two verses. I'm just going to preach on three words out of these two verses. Verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Three words out of verse 31 when it says that great work. That great work. I'm going to preface this tonight. And uh, this has been on my heart to, uh, for several, several days now. And I uh, wanted to share with you this message almost in look of retrospect of what God has blessed and what he has done in my life. I won't share any personal, um, personal information, I personal testimony. I don't want to bore you. This message is not about me at all. It's about the great work that God is able to do in your life. But as I've mentioned already um, to several and, and even in the pulpit there this morning, September is, a, is a, a great month for myself and for my family. I celebrate a, lot, I celebrate a birthday uh, this past week and also celebrate some anniversaries, spiritual anniversaries. September the 6th, 1981 is when I gave my heart to Jesus. And of course the birthday on the 13th and my, my daughter's birthday on the 15th, my sister's birthday no one cares. But anyway, uh, <laughs> hers is on the 15th as well. Several family members in September had their birthdays in September. But, but, but today, September the 18th, very special day. 28 years ago this evening, I preached my first message. Amen. September the 18th, 1994. I don't... Thank you for the applause. I don't say it for that. I know our pastor has surpassed a monumental anniversary in his ministry as well in, in the month of August. And I look back on those 28 years. And if you would have asked me on September the 18th, 1994, that you would be the assistant pastor of the Rubyville Community Church. Number one, I would tell you, well, you're crazy. <laughs> and... And to, to, to say I am humbled and overwhelmed and blessed, I don't, I don't have no words to tell you how good God has been. He's been better to me than anybody. And I hope you feel the same way about yourself. Because we should, we should feel that. And, and as Arlene mentioned a couple of Wednesday nights ago, he's a personal savior. He does all these great works. But to think that that great God can do a great work for me. And for you. And he did a great work for the children of Israel. And as I've looked back over these 28 years and this message was spawned out of that, birthed out of that, if you want to say. Looking back at what he has brought me from and where he has taken me to. It reminded me of what the children of Israel had went through. We know the story. This is, this is a familiar passage of scripture. They are out of bondage, out of Egypt. God 
gave them their first pastor and that of Moses. He's leading them. Leading them and God chose the way they should go. We'll get that here in a second. And now they have uh, came through the Red Sea. They're victorious, standing on dry ground on the other side. They see their enemy dead on the shore. And in chapter 15, we have one of the very first, actually the very first song recorded in your Bible, a song of worship and praise of what God had done for them. And if I could tell you three things tonight about this passage and about this story and even how it relates to me personally, I want to share with you three things tonight. First of all, I want you to notice the path that God led them on, the path. I've, I've come to realize that reading this story and reading this passage and reading this account that God is not so concerned about my destination as he is my journey to get there. And here's why. The destination is already set. I don't have to worry about the destination being ready for me. My responsibility is the journey getting there. And God is, has already destined us a place that we can go. And if you haven't heard the news, Jesus is coming. <laughs> and I don't know if you're ready or not for him to come, but you better get ready. Things are happening faster than we can think or imagine. Five red heifers were flown from Texas to Israel. They landed there on Thursday. Perfect, unblemished. They're going to do some research and they're going to make sure. Hey, I got news for you. When, those, when that red heifer, that perfect, unblemished red heifer is sacrificed, that's after the church is raptured. So may I remind you, the heifers are in place. They're going to be tested. They're going to be approved. And when they get two years old, when that, ram, that, that heifer gets two years old, it will be sacrificed. But may I remind you, before that's even going to take place, the church is leaving. We're out of here. So you better be ready. And the destination has already been set. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. The destination has been set. Our responsibility and what God is concerned about is our journey to get there. And that's the path that these children of Israel were on. God already set the destination. The destination was to get to a land called Canaan, a land of victory. And he made them a path. He gave them direction to go. He led them by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But notice this. There were two choices that they could make on the path that they would be taking. God chose to take them the long, road, the long route around. He chose to take them what should have taken just a few weeks journey. They could take the short route and get there in two to three weeks. But God decided to take them around the Red Sea for 40 years in the wilderness before getting to their destination. You say, Brian, why would he do that? And I know some of you already know this, but let's think about it just a, a little bit closer. If they would have taken that short route, now remember who these people are. 
Hundreds of thousands of people. They have just been set free from slavery. They are weak. They are tired. They have no skills uh, as far as fighting or protecting themselves. So they're all different ages. And, and the short route, they would have to go through Philistia. They would have to meet the Philistines who were trained fighters. They were trained to kill. They were the enemy of the Israelites, we find out. And the enemy throughout the entire word of God, and especially the Old Testament. But if God would have allowed them to go through Philistia, they would have came into a battle. They were not prepared to fight. So God said, I'm choosing to take you the long way around because I'm keeping you from imminent danger. And sometimes God allows us to go through the long routes to get to our destination, to keep us from fighting battles that we're not prepared to fight. Not only did he take them the long route to keep them from danger, but also so they could know him on a personal level. Do you realize that everyone that came out of Egypt died before they got to their victory? They died in the wilderness. But see, they had to understand that the wilderness journey was not to punish them. The wilderness journey was to develop them. Because God was not only concerned about their deliverance, he was more concerned about their development. Remember whenever God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, and Moses said, who shall I say send me? And he said, tell them that I am that I am sent thee. But he also he said in chapter 3 verse 12, he said, tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why, what was that so important? He was telling the children of Israel, this is your daddy's God, by the way. This is the one your daddy served. And your daddy's God is going to get you out of Egypt and deliver you. But you have to know the God of your father on a personal level. And sometimes God allows us to go through delayed periods and longer routes to get to our destination of victory. Just so that we can be developed and to know him better. How many of you by an uplifted hand could say that God allowed me to go through a period of time when I didn't know him like I know him now and I thank him even though it didn't look like the best route, it was the best way for me to go because now I know him better than I've ever known him before. These people never knew him as a provider. These people never knew him as a food giver or a water giver. But hallelujah, they're going to go through a wilderness moment. They're going to go through a period of time when they need help from God. I'm going to run into this thing and break it. So let's move it back here. They're going to, they're going to get to know a God that's going to give them water out of a rock. They're going to get to know a God that's going to provide them meals every day of their life. They didn't know a God like that. But it took them 40 years to get to know a personal Savior. And thank God for the path that he sent them on. And so this path was about a revelation more than their destination. He was worried about them not only being delivered, but being developed. And you'll find that as you become more developed in your walk and in your journey with God, you'll need less deliverance. Now let me back up because that, that sounds like I'm being contrary to, to the Bible. But let me tell you this, when you become more developed and you learn more about God and you have a greater personal relationship with God, there'll be times when you face battles that you'll be able to face them by yourself. And you won't need to be worried about calling everybody else for help. 
you'll be able to take on the battle yourself. There'll be a time when, when, when you are starting out with God and you don't know a lot about God. You just know him as your savior. You wake up and you face a battle and you need help. You need encouragement. You need the strength of people. You need advice from people. But as you get to know God and as he gets to know you and as you develop that relationship, you wake up every morning and say, the devil is a liar. You wake up every morning and say, regardless of what happened, my God is gonna take care of me. Thank God the church is here to deliver people. But Thank God the church also is to develop you to a stronger relationship with God. Amen. 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 Developing. Developing. And so God leads them through this wilderness. And then in this chapter, we find that he, he puts them in a particular place. It's a, basically God allows them to go to a dead end. You'll find that he takes them through a, uh, through a path, um, basically, if you look at it on a map, it's like a, it's like a cul-de-sac. It's a, it, it's, it's a place where they can't go one way because they're at the Red Sea. And now Pharaoh's army's coming behind them. So now they're basically in a dead end. And it looks like they're going to be defeated. So first of all, we see the path. Second of all, Notice God's plan. God leads them. Now listen, God allows them to go to a dead end in their journey. Nowhere to go forward because the Red Sea's there. You can't go backward because Pharaoh's army is there. You can't go on either side because you can't do it. It's impossible. And then to beat all, let me read you what happens here. In verse in the beginning of chapter 14, if you have your Bibles open, that's fine. If not, let me read it to you. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking of the children of Israel, that they turn in the camp before Behirath, between Migdal and the sea, over against Belzephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. That's that cul-de-sac I was talking about. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And look into what God said. I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. So this is God's plan. I want you to encamp in a place where it looks like you're in a trap. I want you to go into a place where it looks as though there's nowhere for you to go. And then I'm gonna to reveal to Pharaoh where you're at. Why would God allow that plan? Why would he allow that to happen? Because sometimes when he's setting you up for victory, you have to look like you're defeated. Let me explain. He lets Pharaoh know the limitations of the children of Israel. Why? Because once Pharaoh starts to come after the children of Israel, what he don't know is he's going to run into God. And what it looks like the children of Israel are in a trap, Dan, they're actually the bait. 
You say, why would you say that? Verse four, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. You know what that means? God will place, will harden his heart. The word harden your heart simply means this, the inability to change his mind. So God will tell him where the children of Israel are. He will harden his heart saying that it'll, he'll think in his mind, oh, they're, they're in a perfect place. They're trapped. There's nowhere for them to go. It's time for us to attack. And he will not be able to change his mind. So God is just setting the children of Israel up, making them think they're trapped, but they are actually bait for the enemy to come after them. And when Pharaoh comes after the children of Israel, guess what? He's going to run head on into God. I said all that to say this. Sometimes God's plan makes it look like we are a defeated foe. But I got good news for you. We're not trapped. We're just bait. (laughs) God's just setting us up for a great victory. He's setting us up to know that when we are past it and when we are through it, we can look back and say, it had to be God. And some of you have been there in your life when you feel like there was no way out. You felt like you were at a dead end. What do I do when I follow God to a dead end? I'll tell you what you do. You let the plan of God, the perfect will of God, take over your life and understand God may allow it to happen, but it's just a setup to destroy the enemy. God allowed this to happen to the children of Israel to destroy their enemies. Because there are some people that can't go with you to the next season of your life. And sometimes God will allow a crisis to get rid of some people in your life that can't go with you to the next level. It's not your responsibility to carry others to another spiritual level. You take care of yourself. Let God take care of you and let God do what he wants to do. Sometimes we got to go through hard times. Sometimes we got to go through crisis. Sometimes we got to go through sickness, disease, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. But I'm telling you, God allows it to to let us know there's some things in our life that don't need to be there. He's taking you to a new level. He's taking you to a land of victory. And bless God, there are some people that just can't go with you. That's the plan of God. And finally, notice the position of God. The position of God in verses 19 and 20. Look at what he does. 19 and 20. So here they are, they're encamped at this place. The Red Sea is in front of them. Pharaoh's army is coming behind. And look what God does in verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these. Now look at what it says. So that the one came not near the other all the night. So picture it. It's nighttime. The pillar, the cloud has always been in front. Now, the night before their victory, God decides to leave them in the front and move behind them. Is that what it says? It says he, the pillar, went between them 
the camp of Israel and the camp of the Philistines. Why would he do that? Why would he do this for us? Why would he be in front of us to guide us and direct us, but then move behind us? I'll tell you why. Because he stepped in between Israel and their past. I'll let, just let that soak in one second. The Egyptians, their past was coming after them. God knew they were on their heels. So God, what he did, his, he changed his position. He moved from in front of them and he moved to behind them. He stepped between them and their past. Their past was coming after them and bless God, you should be shot right now. He stepped between them and their past. Their past was coming after him and God said, no, 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 not today. You're not coming near my children, hallelujah. Cause some of you, he knows you're trying to run from your past and hallelujah, you need some help. So what he does, he gets between you and your past and said, you can't come in here. But then notice this, I don't want to mess with anybody's theology, but notice this. He says, what's that? So that one came not near the other on the night. So not only did he step between the past and the children of Israel to prevent the past from getting them, but also from them getting to their past. Because some of you have a hard time going back to what you used to be. And sometimes God has to step in and say, what are you doing? You don't need to be doing this. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't harden our hearts, that he gives us the ability to change our mind? And sometimes we look at the fun we had. We look at what we've done in the past. And sometimes we wonder, wonder what it would be like. But bless God, he steps in and reminds you what he brought you from and where he's taking you to. Aren't you glad for the position of God? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then he commands Moses to stretch his hand out over the sea in verse 26. And then we know the miracle that happened. Newsflash. It wasn't like the movie, The Ten Commandments, just by the, by the way. That's okay. It's a good movie. But it didn't happen exactly like that. They took some artistic license. But we do know that a great wind came and blew back the waters. Hundreds of thousands of people were able to walk across. There has been some debate that this actually could happen, that this was a miraculous event because wind moving water is not a miraculous event. That, that can happen. You can have enough wind at a prolonged period of time to move a body of water. But that's not the miracle. We miss it when we think that the miracle was moving the water. That can happen geographically. That can happen, the weather can make that happen. The miracle is this, they walked across on dry land. <laughs> that's the miracle. That's the miracle. God allowed them to move the water turned a waterway into a walkway and God allowed them to walk across on dry land. That's the miracle. And after they got through that miraculous event and they looked back, the enemy was closing in on them and God in his infinite wisdom 
allowed the entire army of the Egyptians to get in the water. And as they were getting into that water, the Bible says that the winds came up and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea. There remained not so much as one of them. You know what that means? All of them died. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And here it is, verse 30, I read to you. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. This teaches us a couple of lessons and I'm closing. Number one, number one, it's dangerous and it's life-threatening if you try to walk in somebody else's blessing. God blessed the children of Israel miraculously with a blessing that we have not seen before nor since. Pharaoh tried to walk in that blessing and it took his life. Be very careful of who you covet and what you covet and be very careful of cursing what, how God chooses to bless others. God has, if he's blessed you, thank God for it. If he's blessed me, thank God for it. But if you want something I got and you said, well, must be nice. You know what you just did? You forfeited every blessing that God ever given you because you covet what I, and I'd have nothing you want anyway, by the way. <laughs> but by the way, whatever I have, it's none of your business what I have. It's between me and God. If God blesses me with it, then I choose to praise him. And bless. I don't, if you got things, I don't look at him and say, oh, that must be nice having all that stuff. No, I just look at it and say, whatever you want God's blessed you with, that's fine. I just say bless God and thank God that he has blessed them. Don't cover what other people have. God's got a blessing just for you. You're a miserable soul if all you do is look at what other people have and wish that you have what other people have. I got good news for you. How about you fall in love with Jesus and you'll find the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Amen. Not only does it teach us that walking in someone else's blessing is life-threatening, but also it teaches us this. It, it's, this is a beautiful picture of the forgiving, delivering power of God. Their past is running behind them. They walk through a Red Sea. They're standing on the shore victorious, praising God for bringing them through and doing this great work in their life. Turned around and saw their past drowning in the Red Sea. You don't need to be a big spiritual theologian to follow what I'm trying to lead you in. You all and we all have a past that thank God was trying to catch up to us. But when we passed through the blood of Jesus Christ and we came to the other side, our past is no longer an issue. And hallelujah, we look back over our life and we see our past trying to come up against us and trying to take us back over. But hallelujah, when the past walks through where we've just been, the blood covers all of our past and it wipes it away. It kills it forever. Thank God, aren't you thankful the blood of Christ when we are forgiven? It's forgotten by the blood. What a beautiful picture of the delivering power of God. And he's allowed us to pass through the Red Sea of his blood 
to be saved and to be forgiven. And if you need to do that very same thing tonight, what a great time for you to come to Christ and ask him into your life. Maybe you are going through a, a time in your life where the path of God is taking you to a place where you never thought you'd ever be and you're really struggling to find the answer and find the direction God wants for you. Time to come and pray and allow him just to be God in your life.